Hey guys, so I had a quick thought I wanted to mention in the podcast. This this was inspired by a question I got in my uh, messenger group on Facebook, where um, Jennifer was she was watching along with our cult starting secrets series, and in one of the videos in there, I'm riding a particular horse around and I'm talking more about uh, philosophy angle, you know, as it relates to what I'm doing and whatnot. And Jennifer is somebody that she's trained a lot of horses and has also taught lessons and, you know, trained horses for other people and is just trying to help those around her better their horsemanship, you know. Um, And she asked me, basically her question was this, if you're having a communication mismatch with a human and you're trying to get some point across to them um, as it relates to their horse and you're trying multiple different ways to explain it or to show it and it's just not getting through, um, what do you do in that situation? And the reason I wanted to put this in the podcast is because my thoughts around this relate also to training the horses, not just training the human beings. I heard a saying from somewhere and, um, oh shoot, what is his name? Chris Voss, I think is a former FBI hostage negotiator. He's been in some viral videos recently and he, he does keynote speeches where he basically teaches, uh, business negotiation tactics and things. Uh, and a lot of his methodology was inspired by his experience as an FBI hostage negotiator, right? And he was, he was given a keynote and he said something that I thought was really interesting and so true when it comes to both training humans and animals. He said, confusion is both the barrier and the accelerator to learning. And he had the audience do an example where he was showing them how to move their thumbs, like place their hands and move their opposing thumbs in a certain way that unless you've done little exercises like that before, you don't have a natural neural pathway to make those movements. And it feels extremely uncomfortable and it feels extremely awkward the first time that you try to do it. And he was making a point to tell the audience, you feel how uncomfortable that is? You got that weird sensation? That is new neural pathways in your brain being created right now. The more you practice it, of course, the more automatic that stuff becomes. Um, And there's, so anyway, watching that, it was very interesting. This thought of like, you need to have a necessary amount of confusion and struggle and awkwardness in order to provoke that learning response, right? It's like our, the way our brains are wired, unless we're uncomfortable we're not super motivated to seek answers or to seek to do things differently than we currently are. Um, You know, that's just how human beings are wired. We're just wired to think a certain way. We're very goal-oriented usually. We try to take the path of least resistance to get what we want. And a lot of times we make decisions that um, are more based around avoiding discomfort than they are around what is logically the best answer. A good example of that, and I heard this recently, um, a guy was talking about this, where statistically speaking, if you're playing soccer or football, as it's known everywhere else except the United States, and you get a penalty kick where it's just one guy kicking the ball trying to get it past the goalie, okay? Statistically, you have a better chance of making that goal if you kick the ball straight ahead. 
because the goalie is typically going to be looking to be diving left or right. And very rarely do people kick straight down the center. And the stats show that overwhelmingly it's a better idea to kick straight at the goal than to try to, you know, kick it in such a way where the ball kind of curves and just barely sneaks in the edge of the goal. But if you look at most soccer matches and even the highest level professionals, uh, when they play and do penalty kicks, they're trying to do this fancy stuff where they're trying to, you know, trick the goalie and uh, squeak it, squeak that ball just through the corner of the upright. And the reason they do that is because while they might understand that, yes, I have a better chance of making it if I kick the ball straight ahead, if I don't make it and all I did was just kick the ball straight at the goalie, I'll look pretty foolish, won't I? So it's better to, it's more comfortable to fail while looking like you tried harder than to do what is statistically and logically the thing that will get you a better chance of success. But if you fail, you'll look extremely foolish. There's a a powerful element in human psychology where we don't want to take risks where the potential reward is greater, but the chance of looking foolish and feeling embarrassed or getting ourselves in trouble is also greater. Most people would rather just stick with being mediocre um, or just doing what they've already been doing rather than try something, right, that, that has a little more higher risk but also more high reward. And that is something I think fundamentally that holds a lot of people back from getting better in their horsemanship is that, you know, it's very uncomfortable to learn new things. They're, they've been doing things a certain way. And I've experienced this with clinics and lessons myself, where if you show somebody a new way to do something, you can even demonstrate it in front of them that this is a better, more efficient, quicker way to improve this thing that we're doing with your horse. You know, like let's say I show them a a different way of lunging their horse than they're used to or that they would naturally want to do. And I show them why this technique is better, why it gets results faster why it's teaching the horse more, et cetera, et cetera. Logically, they can look at that and agree with what I'm doing or what I'm showing them. But in the back of their mind, there's this element of like, well, you know, my way might be slower, but it's the way I know. And if he had just given me a little more time, I could have got there myself. It might have taken me longer and it might not have been as pretty, but I could have still done the same thing as what you just showed me, you know. That is the rationalization that goes through a lot of people's minds. And that's why a lot of times horsemanship clinics are so useless in terms of getting anything out of them practically is because you've got a lot of different people with all these different preconceived notions that they're bringing into the clinic. And more so than just keeping control of the horses and progressing the group, I found when teaching clinics that the hardest job I have and the the thing that occupies my most effort is just convincing people to try something new, to try to just give it a chance to work, you know, um, and then let the chips fall where they may uh, to just suspend their disbelief for a brief second. And what I've learned also as an instructor is that most people are not going to be motivated to change what they're doing until they feel a certain level of discomfort and frustration and confusion 
with where they are now. And they will only be motivated to change when the pain of staying where they're at is too great. And so even though there might be some pain and discomfort and confusion initially in learning a new way, they're willing to take that leap of faith because staying the way things are is intolerable. That's just human nature. You can't fight it as, a, as an instructor. If you're teaching other people horsemanship, you just have to learn to feel out when someone is ready to be receptive for what you're going to show them. <clears throat> now, how does this relate to horses? Well, it's the same thing. And I touched on this briefly in my last podcast, but I don't think I made a strong enough point, which is that, yes, we're trying to play along with the horse's natural psychology and use that to our advantage. And there's certain ways that I'll modify my program to adapt and you know, adapt my intent and my approach depending on what that horse needs in the moment. Okay, but there's also this overarching theme in my training, which is that I need to expose my horse to a certain level of pressure in order to provoke some kind of a response. Usually that response, especially if you're teaching a new exercise, is going to involve that horse being resistant, being confused, maybe overreacting a little bit. And you don't want to go too overboard with that. But on the same token, you don't want to tiptoe around that stuff. You need to hit that sweet spot of, of provoking enough confusion and resistance out of the horse to where it becomes a teachable moment. Okay, We talk all the time with our people here doing our lessons and training and everything else. You know, Give your horse an incentive to care. Give your horse an incentive to actually give a shit about what, you know, to actually put effort in to look for an answer. And usually to do that, you need an artificial stimulant. That artificial stimulant is called pressure. It's called making your horse just uncomfortable enough to where they're motivated to look for the answer, but you don't completely overdo it and send that horse into panic and fear mode. Okay. And that is something I think, you know, people are often seesawing back and forth between you know, never provoking a reaction out of their horse. And they basically think that training should always progress in an ideal fashion. And if the horse is ever confused or struggling or is resistant with anything, that you're doing a bad job as a, tr as a trainer. That is simply not true. I don't believe that for one second. Then you've got the people that are on the opposite end of the scale that just do not care and just bulldoze ahead. And their method of training is just to you know, expose the horse to something, usually with very little to no preparation, and just, you know, it's throw them in the deep end to teach them to swim type of an approach. An example of that is like a trainer I worked for who, with no preparation, threw front hobbles on a colt that he had tied up with the saddle, and this thing had never been hobbled before. Now, all of a sudden, it's tied up to a solid pipe fence with front hobbles on as well. So what the hell do you think happened? Well, this, you know, super expensive show horse pulls back, rears up, busts the halter and lead rope, goes flipping backwards into a gator that was parked outside the arena in the alleyway and is flopping around and scuffed up his legs and the whole nine yards because, you know, he just had hobbles thrown on him while tied solid with zero preparation. That's the way a lot of people do horsemanship is dumbass ways like that. Then there's other people that never expose their horse to anything. We need to find a smart middle ground. 
And what makes a truly great horseman, I've, I've realized, you know, in my career, just being around and observing different people at all levels, I can usually spot people that are, I consider, truly great horsemen. And what are the qualities that, that I observe in them and that I try to emulate is that they have this ability to perceive what level of pressure a particular horse needs in a given moment to send an effective message, to create a teaching moment for that horse, to expose them to enough pressure, enough resistance, to create enough confusion, to put the horse in enough of a bind and find that sweet spot where it's just enough to provoke that horse and give them motivation to look for an answer, but not too far to where you're just creating an overblown reaction and not too much or not too little, excuse me, to where all you're doing is ineffectively nagging. Okay. And so translating all of this back to humans, I feel like as an instructor and this part of this comes through experience, part of this comes through just an ability to kind of like in my training, for example, um, the way I came up, like during my apprenticeship phase, one of the things that often got abused, like when I was an assistant trainer and we, we would be doing clinics, one of the things that got abused constantly is the head trainer would say, yeah, if you don't have, you know, if you're not confident to ride your horse, if you're struggling, get our attention, we'll come take the horse over, we'll help you through that, blah, blah, blah. And there's a method to that madness in the sense that if you're doing a clinic with 30 freaking horses in the arena, you can't afford to stop and have everybody wait for every single lady that, you know, uh, her stirrups aren't the correct length or she's scared to lope or uh, the horse is pulling away on the ground and needs, you know, somebody that's a little bit stronger to step in and get this, help this horse find the circle because that lady is just totally ineffective about stepping in there and creating forward motion. You know, so there's an element to that that I can understand, but it created a bad habit in me of being too eager to jump in and to try to help people through that and take their horse over too quickly and, and speed that process up. And what I realized is that I'm actually doing a disservice to people if I don't first put some pressure on them let them struggle, let them be confused, let them even fail a little bit with their horses to just be motivated enough to where they'll honestly come to the table, turn their ears on, turn their brain on, and be ready to absorb a different and a better technique. Okay. Um, and that's, you know, that's, a, I guess, something I've had to overcome in my own personality because I'm so like, I'm such a result-oriented person and I'm so driven to help people that my over-eagerness is actually a disservice because it prevents those people from having that necessary confusion and struggle that it's going to take to motivate them and to actually help them learn. Does that make sense? Confusion is both the barrier and the accelerator to learning for both humans and horses. So Hopefully that made sense. Just want to fire that off quick. And uh, like I said, that question comes from my uh, Facebook group, actually a messenger thread from Jennifer, who's watching along with the Colt Starting Series, coltstartingsecrets.com, if you're curious about what we're doing over there and want to check that out. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon.